A reading from the 53rd chapter of the prophet Isaiah. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession For the transgressors. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Christ entered once for all into the holy places by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. He sent redemption to his people. The epistle reading from the fourth chapter of Hebrews. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, 
Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. And then from the fifth chapter of Hebrews, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My brothers and sisters in Christ, tonight we come to the heart of it. Tonight we celebrate the death of our Savior, the suffering servant in Isaiah. And yes, we celebrate it. We don't celebrate the pain or death because that's because of our sin. And sin is our shame. What we celebrate is what our blessed Savior Jesus Christ did on your behalf and my behalf. We celebrate the love it took, love for his Father and love for us. We celebrate his obedience. As we heard on Palm Sunday, he became obedient unto death. And we celebrate the result. Your rescue, my rescue, your deliverance, my deliverance. Our theme for tonight is the servant saves by suffering in our place. The choir sang about it. We read the scriptures from Isaiah chapter 53. The whole story of Good Friday had been told by the prophet 800 years before it happened. The prophet says, By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yes, Jesus arrested, even though he's innocent. Today, we would cry about our rights, but he didn't have any. A kangaroo court convicted him and sentenced him to die. They couldn't come up with one legitimate charge against him. So they asked him, who is the way, the truth, and the life, the one who is the truth itself, if he were the Son of God. He didn't lie, even though they called him a liar and a blasphemer. He said, it's as you say. They had no legitimate charge. Let me tell you, God did. God had a charge against us. 
We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. And then the miracle of miracles prophesied by Isaiah. The Lord caused the iniquity of us all to be laid on the innocent one. Yes, innocent. There was no violence in him. No deceit within his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. For he would render him as a guilt offering. So the guilt he suffers is not for his own, because he's the innocent one. The Lord lays on him the iniquity of us all, and so it pleased the Lord to crush him. Not pleased to cause him pain, but pleased to crush him on our behalf, in our place, for our salvation. That was God's will for us. Because of our sin, someone had to suffer. Either the servant or us. Our Heavenly Father chose to pour out his wrath upon his beloved Son. Listen to the words. He bore our grief and carried our sorrows. The pain of hell was his. And he felt them even before the cross as he lamented to his disciples. In the garden... In the midst of his prayers, he told them, My soul is deeply sorrowful, even unto death. The horror, the horror of death, the horror of God's wrath, the horror of judgment, the facing of hell, all by itself was nearly enough to kill him. But then after he was arrested, they mocked him, just as the devil had during the temptations he experienced in the wilderness following his baptism. Remember the devil mocking, if you're the son of God. Well, it continued at his execution. Remember what the crowd said? He trusts in God. Let him deliver him. Let him deliver him, if God takes pleasure in him. For he said, I'm the son of God. People today, oftentimes from within the church, as we have seen in our world today, and more recently in these past years, reject the notion that Jesus was truly God in flesh. They deny his resurrection. They accuse Jesus of being a failed teacher or a ruined revolutionary put to death for politically incorrect ideas. They say he was a good man, perhaps, but they do not see him as their God. Isaiah's words fit. We ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. And in the midst of all this, the suffering servant never cried out or called for justice. 
Give me my rights, as so many do nowadays. Yes, convicted by an illegal court, he was found guilty at night, which could not be done with the Sanhedrin. It had to be a daytime verdict. So they had a quick meeting in the morning after the sun had arisen and found them guilty. That was the second time, but it was the one that really counted. Besides, in order that someone would be put to death, you had to have two witnesses that would agree on everything. But the two that came up and talked about destroying the temple, even there, their testimony was not harmonious. Not enough to say it was, he's guilty. And then when he was dragged before the Roman governor, Pilate, Pilate had to say, I don't find any guilt in this man. Why this uproar? Why even call for his death? And Pilate, he knew what was going on. The Gospels tell us. He knew it was out of envy that the priests had brought him before him. And yet, and yet because he knew what the motive was, he knew Jesus was guiltless. He condemns Jesus, this innocent one, to death on a cross. The suffering servant hardly says a thing. You say that I am. If I would be a ruler, my subject would be fighting for me right now. But this is the time for the power of darkness. That's all he said. Like a lamb before it shears is dumb, so he didn't open his mouth. And so the chastening that fell on him was for your well-being and mine. And by his scourging we are healed. Although innocent, Pilate had Jesus scourged to try to appease the priests. Pilate said he would teach him a lesson. Let me ask you, what lessons he supposed to learn from that? That was your scourging. That was mine. Those stripes that he bore, he did for you and for me because, let's face it, We have it coming. And in the process, we're healed from the disease of sin as the just wrath of God for sin falls upon and is poured out on the suffering servant. He was pierced through. The prophecy speaks these words without telling us if they refer to the nails and his hands and his feet or to the spear which went into his side. I believe they're both. The nails which Jesus felt and the spear which he did not feel because he was already dead. The blood and water that John speaks of coming out of the spear wound 
are evidence that Jesus was already dead. The plasma and the red cells had already separated, and they do so when the heart stops, a fact even the people of that day knew. He died, as Isaiah prophesied, among the wicked. He was crucified with two criminals, one on either side of him. They were convicted too, but they were guilty. But remember what one of the malefactors said after he came to his senses. This man has done nothing wrong. Did you hear that? But this man had. He was a criminal. Jesus is dying for him too. All this on account of sin, our sin, the sin of the whole world. So the next time you're tempted to ignore what you know the will of God is and do or say something just because it suits you, gives you an advantage, profits you in some small way, think of this. Jesus endured all of this because sin is deadly stuff. The crucifixion and the hours of torment leading up to it illustrate the true nature of sin. It's not simply the deeds which we do against our better knowledge, but the state of being, the mindset, the rebellion against God, the acts, the words, the deeds, the thoughts that are spoken conceived in our minds, merit death by themselves. And it's for that, too, that Jesus died to atone for. He died that grisly death because we are corrupt, twisted, weak, and enemies of God by nature. This servant saves by suffering. And even his burial was part of the prophecy. Yet he was with a rich man in his death. And Joseph of Arimathea, a wealthy man whose wealth was evident in the carving of a new tomb in a nearby garden, came and took the dead body and placed it in his own new tomb. Every part of the passion and death of our Lord is clearly prophesied here. The suffering servant who was to come and save us by his suffering is none other than Jesus. If that were the whole story, it would be a sad story. It would be the noble tale of a man, a good man, who died in behalf of others. It's a stirring model but hardly worth all of this fuss 2,000 years later. But as you know, that's not the whole story. Isaiah knew that truth. He ended his section of prophecy like this. He shall see his offspring... He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. 
Well, of course Jesus had no children in an ordinary way. He was never married in spite of what the latest thing comes along says. You, me, we're his offspring. In baptism, we've been adopted into the household of God. His days are prolonged, as Isaiah described it, because he rose from the dead and lives and reigns eternally. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. And that phrase, the will of the Lord, what is it? Our salvation. That's the will of God. That the one who knows and believes and trusts in God to do all that he has promised in connection with Jesus Christ and the crucifixion and resurrection would be saved. There have been thousands, thousands, millions upon millions through the centuries. And today, in the church of God, the good pleasure of the Lord has prospered and shall continue to prosper in the hands of the servant of the Lord until it shall please the Lord to bring an end and bring us all to live with him in glory. Isaiah's prophecies of the servant have shown it to us and to all that believe before the time of Jesus himself. The servant saves by suffering in our place. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.